I do want to share a word of encouragement. Um, you guys want to get encouraged this morning? <laughs> I need some encouragement. Anybody else need some encouragement? Um, I'm jumping ahead on, on my message I want to share this morning. But um, you know when Moses saw um, the burning bush, right? Everybody remember the burning bush on Mount Sinai? Yes? Everyone with me? Yes, the burning bush, right? Um, I read some commentary. It says Moses was, the Bible says that Moses was drawn to the burning bush not because it was burning, okay? Apparently, it's pretty common in the desert for things to just kind of burn, okay? But he was drawn to the burning bush because even though it was burning, it was not consumed. Does that make sense? It was not burning up. And I felt the Lord just really spoke to my heart. That was a picture of what God wanted Moses to be like. But not just Moses, but every single one of us, okay? The fire is going to come, okay? The fire is going to come. Even now in our nation, we've been through several different fires. We're continuing to go through fire. We're going through the squeeze, the squeeze. But I feel the Lord saying to us, when you walk with Jesus, okay, even though we're all going to get burned, we're all going to get burned. But when you walk with Jesus, we will be burned, but we won't be consumed, okay? Instead, we'll be purified. Remember the friends of Daniel when they're thrown to the furnace? And the king looked in there. He's like, there's one more person in there. He looks like the son of man because they were walking with Jesus. So here's an encouragement. As long as we're walking with Jesus, we're in step with Jesus, doesn't matter what the world throws at us. doesn't matter what injustice or whatever happens. We will not be burned because we're walking with Jesus. And that ties into our message today. You know, we've been going through this message called Moving Forward. Forward. Lesson learned from the life of Moses. This has been a heart message of my, a passion area of my life. Um, basically, we've been talking about how do you move forward in the time of uncertainty, which we've experienced from the COVID-19 and continuing this week. Um, and I am going to talk about this topic, which I would call the divine reset. The divine reset. Let me just give you a preface what I think about when I think about the word reset. Okay. So show the next picture. Are you guys familiar with that picture? <laughs> so my computer and I in my office and I have a love-hate relationship. I love it when it does what it's supposed to do. I hate it when it doesn't. Okay, it's very simple. When I tells it to open up this file and says, nope, I don't feel like it today. Or when he says, I'm not going to open up this webpage. Oh, my, I'm about to lose it. I'm like, do your job. So I quickly reach for the reset button. Or in my, in my computer, I don't have a reset button. I have to actually click on something. And I reset the computer. And the purpose of me resetting the computer is to restore the computer to its original purpose, its original format, to go back to doing what it's supposed to do. Does that make sense? That's what I call a reset, okay? Apparently, this type of reset happens naturally in our lives, okay? It happens over and over again. Maybe people have found a new passion or a new direction in their life. So they're going one direction and one day they're like, no, I'm reset and go in a different direction. Maybe your circumstance or tragedies cause people to go in a different direction. I got a couple examples here. You know, Jeff Bezos, you guys heard him before? He had a striving career on Wall Street. And one day on his cross-country trip across America to Seattle, driving to Seattle, he came up with this little business plan called Amazon.com. Okay, the rest is history. So at 30 years old, he decided to reset his life and go in a completely different direction. Okay, I, I thought this example was interesting. You guys know Julia Child, right? Julia Child, cookbook, all that stuff. Well, in her first life, she actually worked for an organization which eventually became the CIA. 
Okay, did you know that? But at 49 years old, she wrote her first cookbook. Okay, and like a couple other examples, Martha Stewart was a fashion model, and then after she had kids, she switched careers and became, you know, started a gourmet empire. Uh, Ronald Reagan was an actor, and at, at, in his 50s, he ran for governor of California. Eventually, he became president. This type of things happen all the time. Okay, natural resets. But what I'm talking about today is not the natural reset. I'm talking about the divine reset. And to me, these are resets that come from the heart of God. What is the purpose of these resets? The purpose of the divine reset is like the same reason I reset my computer. Okay? It's to align us with the original purpose we were made to do. Does that make sense? It's like you go into a chiropractor and they realign your back, okay, so you can function again, so you can do what you're supposed to do again. Now, I have a couple disclaimer about the, 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 about the divine reset. The divine reset is not a curse, even though often it feels like one, okay? You guys know what I mean. The divine reset does not mean you're going backwards from God's perspective, but in your own head, in your own eyes, you definitely sometimes feel like you're going backwards or getting demoted. The divine reset is not to shame us, embarrass us, or to harm us, even though sometimes we feel that way. The purpose of divine reset is for God to say, hey, I got to get you aligned with my calling for you so you can truly enjoy life and live life fully, okay? It comes from the heart of God. Now, the divine reset comes in forms that are not very pleasant often. It may come in the form of a financial breakdown or maybe a bankruptcy. It could be loss of a job or loss of a loved one, loss of a relationship. There could be a displacement in which you lose your routine, you lose your friends, you lose everything you're familiar with. It could come in the form of a global pandemic that shuts everything down. But the bottom line is when God is hitting the reset button in your life, you feel disoriented, you feel lost, your life Life is disrupted, and you are forced to change, and it is uncomfortable. But I want to remind you, the point of this is for God to align him to, align you to himself. And this is not a one-time thing. Over and over again, God used divine recess to adjust the trajectory of our lives. Does that make sense? You're going one direction, you're like, man, I love this direction. God's like, eh, I'm going to adjust you. It is not is uncomfortable. We're not used to it. Um, we don't like it. But the purpose is to adjust us to where we're supposed to go. Now today I'm talk, I'm going to talk about the divine reset in Moses' life. Okay, where we first or last left off from last week, Moses um, was about to enter into a divine reset. You know, Moses had the nice career thing going on in Egypt. He was a prince. He lived in the palace. I'm sure he was comfortable. It was the things that he was used to. He had his routines. But as we seen last week, you know, when he saw his people being oppressed, he murdered, he, he killed and murdered the, the, the Egyptian that was oppressing his people. He hid the body, but then through this whole experience, Pharaoh found out he was trying to kill Moses, and Moses had to flee into the desert, okay? God was taking Moses through, whether he knows it or not, whether he likes it or not, God was taking Moses through a divine reset through the desert, Okay? If you study the Bible enough, you know that God takes people through the desert all the time, through the wilderness all the time, okay? Going through the wilderness, going through the desert is what God does. But the purpose is not to hurt us, okay? The purpose is to grow us. If you're going through the desert right now, you feel like you're going through the wilderness right now, this message is for you. 
From the life of Moses, we are going to learn six principles, six principles in which you are not just uh, survive, but you are going to thrive in the season of divine reset. You know, I started working on this message two or three weeks ago because I over-prepare. So I didn't know everything that was going to happen this week. Uh, but as I was preparing this message, um, I was preparing the context because right now my, my, myself, my wife, we're going through some divine resets that's really shaking us. Okay? And the friends around us, some of the closest friends are also going through this divine reset. But I talked to Pastor Ron and I said, Pastor Ron, I'm not sure this message will apply to our greater church body because I feel like it's very personal to me. And Pastor Ron reminded me that we, we're going through, we're still going through this global pandemic. There's a lot of resets going on. But further, he reminded me um, that if you are call of God, if God has a purpose for you in your life, you will have to go through a divine reset. God will take you through the desert. You might be in the middle of one right now. You might be in the process of exiting one. Or you might be in the process of going into one. Regardless, we all need to understand. We all need to set the proper expectation of how to navigate through the divine reset. Does that make sense? So I'm hoping you perk your ears to listen to these principles. I'm not just preaching at you. I'm preaching to myself. Okay? These principles will help you thrive in this season. So the first principle of the divine reset is to embrace the change. In Exodus chapter 2, verse 15, when Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian, where he sat down by a well. So to me, embracing this divine reset is by far the hardest step. It's the number one step. It's the hardest step. Very few people, I don't know about you, but very few people voluntarily goes into the desert because they want to. Okay? I don't know anyone who's like, hey, God, I'm ready to go for a divine reset. I'm ready to embrace the uncomfortable. That often doesn't happen. We are often forced into the divine reset. Okay? Often forced by things we don't like, maybe by injustice or tragedy or things that happen that's outside of our control. Okay? It's our human nature to resist change. Okay? Is that just me? I don't like it when someone tries to change me. Okay? It's our human nature to do that. I especially don't like it if the force that's changing me, that I feel like is changing me, is bad or is brought upon by injustice. Look at Pharaoh. I mean, look at Moses' case. His exile into the reset was brought upon by this evil king that was oppressing his people. Okay? I'm sure Moses didn't like this change that was brought upon him. But wisdom says, let's look deeper into the situation. Who is really behind this change? Who is really behind this pressure? Okay. What is this change? What is this squeezing really doing to our hearts? Is it making me more like Jesus? Is it giving me opportunity to examine in my life where I have blind spots or maybe the character flaws or the issues or selfishness in my heart that I haven't faced in a long time because I just didn't want to or I was too lazy to? What, is, what fruit is being produced by the squeezing? You know, just last week, I had some news dropped upon me that was very unpleasant and it's taking me to another reset. I can sense this reset coming again. In the midst of this, I was unhappy. I felt um, um, injustice in my heart. But what I did was I called up my buddy, Tim, and I said, hey, Tim, um, I need some help. I feel like this is happening and I need some perspective. I need some third-person perspective because, because I'm too close to this issue, okay? 
do you sense this is God doing something in my life or is it just like something I got to resist? And Tim brought me counsel. He was outside my bubble, my emotional bubble. He can say to me, hey, Andrew, you just talked about needing to learn this character last week and this is what God is doing in you right now. So he gave me the, the third-person perspective, the good counsel to help me say, hey, this is not circumstance. This is God. Does that make sense? We all need men and women of God who loves us to be able to give us that perspective and to say, yeah, this is not right what happened. But look beyond that because God is the one that's squeezing you. This is important because when you realize God is behind this divine, this divine reset, what we need to do is we need to embrace it. We need to embrace the change, which is some of the hardest thing uh, we can never do. I don't know about you, but I've been described as being stubborn a couple times in my life. In other words, I don't like to change. I set my expectation for a certain way, certain way to do things. And you might even have a better way. You might have a much more efficient way. I just don't like changing. I don't like changing just for the sake of not changing. Does that make sense? I'm a traditionalist. And then that's good on some things and it's really, really bad on other things. And what the hardest thing for me is to change, is to allow myself to say, I am going to change my expectation because God is trying to make me better and do things in my heart. This is why we need to go through the reset. You know, when I was 28 years old, um, over a decade ago, I came out to Northwest, Northwest Indiana from Virginia. I grew up in Virginia. And I came out here because I knew that I need a divine reset. I didn't know the term, but I knew something had to change. And when I first came out here, I lived with Pastor Ron. Well, I didn't just, I lived with him in the, for four years. And um, it wasn't the first time God tried to reset my life. It was the first time I had to learn to embrace it. Does that make sense? God's always trying to change us and reset us, but we often reject it. But this is the first time I start to embrace it. But in the beginning, I was super, super uncomfortable. I'll give you a couple examples how I was uncomfortable. Um, for example, I was a 28-year-old, okay, and I shared a bedroom with an 8-year-old and a 4-year-old. <laughs> I'm not even joking, right? Johnny, you were the 4-year-old at the time. I mean, this is a long time ago. Look at how big he is now. But, um, I mean, I, it was uncomfortable. No knock on a four and eight-year-old. The knock is on the 28-year-old, but it was uncomfortable. I grew up having my own room since I was a little kid. And, and uh, man, I didn't know anybody. Uh, the weather was too cold. I couldn't find good Chinese food. Um, I couldn't find a job. That's another thing. It took me six months. I, I kept looking for a job. I was used to having my own job. I was used to making money. I couldn't find a job. I was applying for jobs. I applied for those. First, I applied for those jobs that I'm like barely qualified for, like shooting from the moon, like hoping that I'll get a hit. Nothing. Then I start applying for jobs I feel like I'm qualified for. Heard nothing. Now I start applying for jobs and I'm like, I'm definitely qualified for this. Heard nothing. After two or three months of this, I felt the Lord starting to speak to me. He says, look, I'm trying to do something, okay? I'm trying to do something in your life. This is not about you applying for a job. I'm trying to do something. He is starting the process to, to purge some of the issues in my heart. He's starting to hit that reset button in my life. And I'm starting to be awakened to it. Like, something's happening here. I, for once in my life, start to realize I need to change. Now, the honest truth is I want, to, I want to emotionally check out. Many times I just want to pack everything in my car and just leave. It was too hard for me, okay? 
I did not want to change. But I looked back at the first 28 years of my life, and I said, I cannot go back there. You ever been there before? <laughs> this, this path is really hard, but you look back, you're just like, I can't go back there. I can't go back there. So you know what? The first time in my life, I embrace my reset. I embrace my reset. You know, there are times in which I come home from work, and I have like 14 things. I come home, I go get the mail. And of course, I don't know about you, but when I get the mail and there's like a couple bill in there or there's like a weird thing like, hey, something from the IRS, the first thing I want to do is open up, that up as soon as I can, right? And my wife, of course, comes in and she's like, hey, I need a hug. I see you. I want a hug. There's different ways I can respond to that, that request for uh, embrace, okay? Um, and Unfortunately, often I give her the like, I'll stand still and keep opening this mail and you can just kind of embrace me like you're embracing a tree. And that's often what we do. I'm not saying that's good. That's not good marriage counseling. Um, but often we're like that when God is embracing us with this reset. But now after a few years later, I've learned whatever I'm thinking in my mind, whatever I need to do, drop everything. My wife's embracing me. I'm going to turn around. I'm going to embrace her back. Okay. Embrace her back. And that's what I want to ask you guys to do. If you are about to enter into a divine reset, I know it's difficult, but I want to ask you to embrace back. Okay? Embrace back. So that's the first step. Embrace the change. The second step, the second thing to learn from Moses is to hold on to your dreams. See, in the season of reset, you might have to surrender your comforts, Surrender your selfishness, your routines, your behaviors, your character issues. But one thing you don't surrender, you don't let go, is the dreams and the passions that God has placed in your heart. Sometimes when, when we're in the middle of a reset, we often, this happens a lot, I've done it in my own life, we just give up on everything. We just say, well, I guess God doesn't want me anyway. I guess God doesn't want to use me. I guess God doesn't really care. We throw the baby literally out with the bathwater in those cases. We just sit down, we pout, and become a victim. Okay? Don't confuse an adjustment with rejection. Okay? My son is in this phase of fighting rejection a lot right now. My six-year-old son, Yamai, he's in the overflow. So whenever he's doing something, I try to give him an adjustment. Okay? For example, he's cleaning up. I'm like, oh, son, you can do it quicker if you bring this with you or whatever it is. When I give him adjustment, often he takes it as a rejection. He will literally hide. He will, like, walk in the other room and hide. Okay? And I had to bring him back and say, son, look, I'm trying to help you. This is not a, a rejection. I'm not even rebuking you. I'm just, I'm just adjusting you so you can do it better. And I want to encourage you guys, as we're going through this reset, you got to keep in mind, don't confuse adjustment with rejection so that you give up on your dreams and the passion that God has placed in your heart. Look at what happened to Moses in verse 16. You know, the priest of Midian has seven daughters. They came to draw water and fill the trough to water the father's flock. And shepherds came and basically bullied them, okay? But you know, long story short, basically Moses uh, stood up uh, to the shepherds and helped these ladies draw water for them. And uh, Ruel, the father, asked his daughter, why did you leave him? Invite him to have something to eat. Moses agreed to stay with the man who gave his daughter Zipporah to Moses in marriage. Zipporah gave birth to a son, and Moses named him Gershom, saying, I have become a foreigner in a foreign land. You see, Moses is a reformer at heart. In his heart, when he sees injustice, he just can't handle it. He's like, I got to do something. 
okay? Yeah, he got kicked out of Egypt for it, but he wasn't changing. He held on to that fundamental part in his heart that's a reformer. So later when he saw this thing happen at the well, he's like, I can't handle it. I got to do something. I got to make a difference. And because of his activism, okay, God opened door to the Midianites. He got a wife out of it. But check this out. Notice what he named his son. You know, I don't know about you, but when I named my firstborn, I mean all my kids, but especially my firstborn, I thought long and hard. I thought for months what I was going to name my son. I feel like what you name your firstborn child says a lot about you. Parents, I don't know if you guys agree. You know, I think a good a trivia question would be like, what did you name your firstborn kid and why? I think it says a lot about your heart. And check out what uh, Moses named his son. He named his son Gershom, okay, which means foreigner or sojourner. Okay. This, what this tells me is that Moses, even though he's with the Midianites, his heart is back in Egypt. Okay. It means that he still has a longing and a passion and a desire in his heart to go back to Egypt and liberate his people. That's always been in his heart. So even though he's 40, it took him 40 years to complete this journey, Moses is still not giving up. In this season of reset, he held on to this passion in his heart. I'm telling you, if God has placed the passion and the desire in your heart to minister, to love, to care, to reform, whatever it is, don't let it die. God will come back to it one day. He will come back to it one day. You know, in my season of reset, um, I told you four years I lived with Pastor Ron. Um, you know, I've always had a heart for ministry. I've always had a heart to preach, to teach, to love, to care, to disciple, to lead. Um, I've done it all throughout my life. I led in college ministry. I led a youth pastor after college. I was a missionary for a couple years. Um, but when I first came out to Indiana for the first couple years, uh, I did nothing. There was no ministry. But it was still burning in my heart. You know what happened was that um, when I saw other people do ministry, there was, a, there was a jealousy in my heart. Not an evil jealousy, not like, oh, I wish you fail. But, but there's a stirring in my heart that says, oh, man, I so long for that. I so long to teach. I so long to, to, to lead. I so long for that. But you know what I did with that desire is I didn't bury it. I hid it in my heart. There's a difference. I didn't bury it. I hid it because I knew one day, if God has placed that in my heart, it's God's job one day to dig it back up to restore it and bring it to pass. So I want to encourage you, if you're going through a reset right now, okay, don't confuse. You're not ready yet with you'll never get there, okay? It's just not time yet. Those desires and those passions in your heart, okay, hide it in your heart. Don't bury it. So that's the second lesson is you keep, you hold on to those desires God's given you. Lesson number three, learn and grow as much as you can. Okay, Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. Do you guys remember the algebra class back in seventh grade when someone, maybe it was you, raised your hand and said, Miss So-and-so, when are we ever going to use this material? <laughs> right? Someone inevitably is going to ask that question. Well, if you're going through a divine reset, welcome back to seventh grade because I guarantee you are going to be put in situations in which you're going to ask yourself, okay, you're going to ask God, why am I doing this? What is the purpose of this? How am I ever going to use this task or this information or this knowledge you're putting before you? I mean, look at Moses. He was a prince 
In his mind, he just received the greatest emotion. He became a shepherd. In the Middle Eastern hierarchy, the shepherd was the lowest on the totem pole. Okay? And check it out. It wasn't even his own sheep. He was serving his father-in-law, so he was just a higher hand. In his mind, he just took a huge step backwards. But looking from God's perspective, what was he doing in Moses? Well, maybe Moses was learning how to shepherd sheep because one day he will be shepherding millions of not sheep but God's people. Maybe he's learning how to pastor things, pastor people a little better. Maybe he needs to learn to be a little less frustrated and a little less edgy in his anger. Right? And why is Moses learning how to navigate through the, the wilderness and the desert to find water and to, to, find, to find shelter and all those practical things about how to survive in the desert? Maybe because one day he's got to lead over millions of his own people through the wilderness into the promised land. See, you just don't know why these things happen. In the season, it's our, it's our temptation to despise, to denigrate, to condescend to these seemingly small tasks or battles that we have that God puts before us. We're like, man, I'm so, I'm so much above this. This is so beneath me. I'm telling you, these same tasks or routines or battles or jobs, literal jobs, are the very instrument that God uses to change you, okay? If you push it off, you're just, you're just prolonging the season of, of reset. Embrace these lessons. Re- embrace this journey. You know, in my season of reset, I talk about how I was looking for a job for six months. So I got more and more desperate. So eventually I'm like, I just need a job. I just need something to do. So uh, I applied to be a substitute teacher at Crown Point Schools. Okay, It was a tough time for me. I don't really enjoy it. Um, the problem with substitute teaching is when people first see you, they, the kids love you because they think they're doing nothing, right? Substitute teacher, today is an off day. We're not doing anything. But I actually want to do my job, so I'm actually making them do something. So they went from, like, loving to see me to hate, hating me real quickly. So it was just not my favorite thing to, be, to do to be a substitute teacher. But this job opened up the door for me to teach at the alternative school, to actually get a, a full-time teaching job at the alternative school in Crown Point Schools. Uh, and a few years later, I, I ended up becoming the, uh, the lead teacher at Crown Point Schools. And man, you know, I thought as a student, I hated going to school. <laughs> as a teacher, I hated going to school even more. Now, disclaimer, Crown Point School had some great people. I met some great people. I love the people I work with. But the job itself was just a tough job. It was really hard for my personality. Ideally, I don't have the right personality for that job. It's very interesting why God gave me that job. It pushed me. It challenged me. It molded me. It pushed my buttons. I mean, I dealt with things I never wanted to deal with, a situation I never wanted to be put in. Um, Like, I would literally complain and whine and cry to my wife every Sunday night. I don't want to go to school. I don't want to go to school the next day. Why do I have to go to school? I mean, you think, as a student, you hated school. Talk to the teacher, right? Um, But she encouraged me. She says, Andrew, you don't understand. You can't even see that throughout these years of teaching at these all school, you have become so much more patient. You have become so much more kind, less of a jerk, less edgy, uh, better listener. I, don't, I can't even tell because I'm just in the grind. You know, I'm in the furnace. I'm being burned up. But she, from her perspective, could see what was happening in me. You know, it's interesting because I thought the all school was like one or two years of just like a placeholder. Okay, before I move on to the next thing. I was there for 10 years, one whole decade, because God saw it fit 
that I needed at least 10 years to start becoming this path to become a pastor. Turns out that all school had the perfect tools to change me, to prepare me for what I'm doing right now. And here's the other interesting part. I don't know if I learned all the lessons at the all school. Because there are times at the all school, I'm like, I don't, I, I'm checked out. I'm like, I, I don't even want to learn. I don't even want to push. And I look back, I'm like, I don't know. I don't think I learned all the lessons I can. And now I don't have a chance to learn that anymore. Does that make sense? I want to encourage you in the middle of your reset, don't despise the task and the jobs you've been given right now. Because, because when you're out of this season, you no longer have an opportunity to learn those, those same lessons. Embrace those lessons right now. So lesson number three, learn and grow as much as you can. Number four, don't focus on the exit. If you're going through this reset, this is your strongest temptation. When is all this going to be over? When can I go back to my status quo again? When can I be comfortable again? When can I just rest again? When can I do blah, blah, blah again? You are undermining this whole journey and process because the whole purpose of this journey, this reset is to change you so you have a new normal. You have a new habit, new changes in your heart. Does that make sense? We need to be focused not on the exit. Look at Moses. Okay, he was in the wilderness for 40 years. Imagine if he just did nothing and waited. He would have wasted 40 years of his life. He wouldn't have got married. He wouldn't have kids. He wouldn't have learned and grown. And he would never see the exit sign that God has placed in his way. Check out what the exit sign is. You know, we talked about this earlier. God could have sent a shining angel, say, Moses. Like, like during Christ's birth with the shepherds in the field. Moses, I'm the angel Gabriel. I want to send you back. To, nope. God could have given him crazy visions like the prophet uh, Isaiah or Ezekiel. Nope. That's not what God did. God used the burning bush, which like I mentioned earlier, okay, what made the burning bush special wasn't that it was burning. It was because it wasn't burned up. God often uses the common things in our lives and he turns it subtly uncommon to see if we are paying attention. If we are at our post. If we're not at our post, we can easily ignore the burning bush. Uh, it's just another burning bush. But Moses was doing what he was supposed to do. He was at his post, at his task, being faithful with what he's called to do. And in that moment, he saw, wait, that burning bush looks really weird. It's not burning up. I'm going to go and approach it. Okay? There's something profound about being faithful in the task that God's given you. Focus not on the exit. I'm going to tell you what to focus on. Point number five, focus on God's personal word for you. Verse four, when, Mo when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Don't come any closer. Take off your sandals for the place you are standing is holy ground. He said, I'm the God of your father, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. God called Moses by name, personal name. He says, I am your God. I'm your father's God. I'm your ancestor's God. There is something about God calling you personally and seeking that personal touch from God. You know, when God speaks my name, when he calls me by my name, I know in my head that I'm not just one life out of trillion, trillions of life that have ever existed on this planet. I know that in my head. But when he calls me by my name, I feel like I'm in a different dimension. 
You know, we all want to seek comfort in this time in the midst of uncertainty. I'm telling you, there's nothing more comforting than that the God of the universe knows you by name. You know, there are times in which I'm seeking comfort. I'm seeking direction from God. I'm, I want God to give me a word. I want God to tell me to go in this direction or this direction. And he shows up. I feel like he sits beside me. Or I'm on the ground. He comes beside me. He doesn't say one word. But I know he knows me. He's, his presence is with me. And I can walk out of there with such comfort in my heart. I can walk out there encouraged. I walk out of there, my heart is full. I don't know what direction I'm going to go, but I don't care because God knows me. Does that make sense? And I come out of there, and, and my friends or my wife be like, oh, you look so encouraged. What did the Lord say? He said nothing. It doesn't matter. I don't care because he's with me. He knows me by name. In this season of reset, this is what you focus on. You focus on the personal God who knows you, who knows you by name. Finally, number six, what do you do when you exit the reset? You build a monument. Building a monument. The purpose of the monument is so that we will not forget. Okay? It's a reminder of God's faithfulness, not just to ourselves, but to others. Check out what God said to Moses. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the land of the hand of Egyptians and bring them out of the land into a good and spacious land, land flowing with milk and honey. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who, who am I that should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. See, I'm a little embarrassed by this. I didn't know that Moses met God, burning bush. It's the same place later he will bring the Israelites by and give them the Ten Commandments, Mount Sinai. I didn't know that. I don't know if you knew. That was the same mountain. So when I was studying the scripture, my thought was, why did God want, to, want them to bring, want, want Moses to bring the Israelites back to Mount Sinai? Why not just go directly to the promised land? Why stop by Mount Sinai? I'm sure there's many different reasons for this. But the Lord told me it's because Mount Sinai is a monument to Moses. You know, one of mankind's biggest problems is that we forget. We forget what we learned yesterday. We forget the lessons from history. As followers of Jesus, we forget the lessons we learned from our reset. That's why we backslide. That's why we make the same mistakes over and over and over again. Am I talking to the right people? I don't know about you. I forget the lessons I learned, and I need reminders. So God gives us a secret weapon called monuments. Monuments help us remember these lessons so we won't backslide. To Moses, Mount Sinai is a monument. Imagine the emotions Moses felt when he went back to Mount Sinai. Now, this, now he's carrying millions of Israelites with him. Okay. Mount Sinai to him represents all his failures, all his disappointments, all the expectation he had for himself that was destroyed. It represents years and years of wondering, God, do you remember me? The tears he shed in disappointment, the fears. 
But Mount Sinai also represents when God meets him, when God shows his faithfulness, redeems him, restores him. So when he comes before Mount Sinai, he stirs up such emotion and passion in Moses' heart. But what about to all the Israelites? They look at Mount Sinai and they're thinking, if God will go through this journey with Moses, perhaps God will go through this journey with me also. That's what monuments do. In my season of pain, in my seasons of reset, after four years of that, I was ready for a new reset in my life. Okay? God saw fit for me to exit my previous reset into the new reset. And this new reset was becoming a family man. I was getting married. And my wife, on my wedding day, many of you were there, she surprised me with something, which is really hard because I'm pretty sneaky. But she was able to surprise me on my wedding day. She surprised me with a family crest. So put that picture up there. Highly recommend, if you don't have one, to create one with your, with your spouse. This family crest was a symbol, was a picture of everything that my wife and I went through. It's a picture of our past. It's our journey. The pain, the sorrows, the fears. It's a picture of our past. But it's also a picture of our present. Okay, it's a picture of what God has done in our lives. But most importantly, it's a picture of where God has called us to go. Okay, it's a direction, it's a roadmap to where God has called us to go. And the most important part, this is a picture that God has been faithful in our life. It's a monument for us. And today, it's, it's, it's front and center in my living room. So every time anyone comes to my house, you are going to see, the first thing you're going to see coming to the door is that monument. And what happens is when I'm ministering to a young man, I'm encouraging him uh, about the godly reset and telling him, hey, God has a plan for you. I know you feel like you're completely lost. You feel like you're useless. You feel like you got nothing going for you. But I'm telling you, look at that picture. Look at that crest. Look at that monument. If God can do that in my life, God can do it in your life too. When my wife is ministering to young ladies and through their hurts and pains, she can point to that crest and she said, look, look at that, that tree, that tree, that deep roots. That's what God's doing right now in you. He's putting deep roots in you so that one day you can flourish and become a tree in which everything, other people can come and hide in its shade. When we're ministering to hurting couples who are fighting for their marriage, we can say, hey, look, God, Debbie and I went through junk, and we, we had sins and hurts and pain in our lives, but God restored us. If God can restore us, he can restore you too. This crest is our monument. I want to encourage you, as you're exiting every set of reset that God's given you, make a monument to remind yourself. It doesn't have to be a crest. It doesn't have to be a statue, whatever you think a monument is. You know, my wife and some ladies recently went to the Wonder Woman conference, and when they came back, this is what they did. They went and they got Wonder Woman bracelets for themselves. Okay, a bunch of them got it. And my, my wife is like, can I get one of these? Of course, because she and I both know what we're doing. We're putting a monument, a marker to that. So whenever she looks at her bracelet, she reminds herself what God has doing. Okay, this is our secret weapon to remember. Okay, create monuments for yourself. God took Moses through the wilderness because one day he will guide them. Moses will guide people through the wilderness. One day God is taking you through the wilderness, through the reset, because one day God is going to use you to guide people through the wilderness and through the reset. 
Think about it this way. This reset you're going through right now, or you're about to go through, or you're about to leave, is not for you. The purpose of this is never for you. The purpose of this is for other people. Okay, think about this. I, I think this is the most encouraging thing I can say today, is all the tears, the pain, the anxiety you are feeling, you have felt, you're about to feel, the sense of disorientation, lostness, confusion, Every tear you shed, none of that will be wasted. Not one tear will be wasted. Every single bit of pain and confusion you feel, one day will be used to encourage someone else. When I see a young man lost, confused, feels like they just take 10 steps backwards, I feel such compassion for that because I understand that. And I'm uniquely equipped because of my journey to minister to this young man. I can't think of anything more encouraging. No path of least resistance or no promise of comfort can keep me from walking down this path of reset because I am energized that one day I will use this for God's kingdom and to help set other people's free. What a privilege. I want to invite you guys as you're going through this divine reset to think about Moses, to think about all these men and women of God who God has gone through this reset and say, hey, I want to go through the same thing because one day I'm going to help others go through this. I want to maximize this experience for God's glory. I want to squeeze every drop of lesson and growth out of this reset so I can be used for God's purpose fully.